I actually remember seeing this old Chick-fil-A commercial. And at the beginning, there's this guy who's just standing in a hole. And a woman walks up to him and says, hey, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm just having a sandwich. And she said, it looks like you're stuck in a rut. And he said, I thought it was a groove. And she said, classic rut thinking. And it was like a really interesting video and then of course they promote their chick-fil-a breakfast sandwich you know you know moving away from the traditional uh bacon and egg sandwich i guess whatever but it's something that i i I really struck me when i first saw that video because how many times are we actually stuck in a rut but we think it's a groove that we're actually in a good space and one of my favorite quotes ever and i i can't remember who to attribute to again not mine all the best stuff ever said is not for me. It is to innovate, disrupt your routine. And I think sometimes even when we're doing things that we think we're successful at and are going really well, do we sometimes, you know, shock our system? And for I'll give you an example. This podcast, I've been blogging for years and years and years and I love it. And there is no reason for me to kind of go away from it. And even though I still do blog and I do love writing, I do love connecting, I wanted to try something different. I wanted to try this. And so maybe my writing was getting stale for myself. Maybe this podcast is getting stale. I don't know. But I think sometimes what I try to do is I try to find these little ways to kind of just disrupt things. I think when I uh, work out, when I exercise, um, you know, if you kind of go and do the same program over and over and over again, your body gets used to it. And what happens when your body gets used to these things, uh, it actually doesn't let you grow anymore. And so you have to disrupt. You have to try different things. And that actually shocks your body. And I think it's the same thing with our lives, that we have to just try different things to kind of shock ourselves and really kind of thinking about this. And this is why I really enjoyed this conversation with Becca Ribbing, who wrote the book, The Clarity Journal, really kind of having us kind of look back and, and ask ourselves, are we actually in a rut or in a groove and kind of thinking about that and how we move forward to really kind of open up doors for ourselves, which ultimately will open up doors for our kids. Uh, I really enjoyed this podcast. really made me think. I hope you enjoyed it as well. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Everyone, it's George Kuros, another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. I am really excited here. I was just having a great conversation right before with Becca Riving, and she's actually a coach um, and a writer, and she actually wrote the Clarity Journal. And if you actually look in the description down below, you'll see a link to this. Uh, as we were talking, I didn't tell you this. Uh, you mentioned some stuff that you had an issue with chi- being chiropractor, which freaked me out because I'm actually just starting chiropractor. I'm like, oh no, am I going to be in trouble for this? So hopefully mine works out well but hey it's been great to kind of talk to you before the podcast i'm looking forward to um the work that to learning more about the work that you do and really how it can actually help education so if you could actually just you know take a second to introduce yourself tell us who you are uh what you do today and actually how you got to that point so i am a coach i focus on helping people figure out what they're going to do next with their lives. And so, you know, we all get into that period where we're stuck and we feel like we don't know what is the next step or where we're going to go next. I think that a lot of times that happens because we aren't really aware that it 
always happens. It comes in a cycle. It, you know, we take one thing that we're doing, we master it. And as soon as we master it, it's no longer a challenge. And then we're looking for the next thing, or we're hoping we'll get a promotion. But a lot of times, if we aren't recognizing where we are right now, we lose our agency and we just hope the universe or our boss or somehow the next step will become clear instead of taking back control of it. And so I help people really take back control of it and figure out what's authentic to them. So how did you like get to this being a topic? Like this is actually something that you found an interest in. Like, how did you get to that space? You know, I think I've always been in this space. Um, I have a very vivid memory from when I was 12 and my grandfather was picking me up from a friend's house. It was in the middle of summer. He was in an old beat up car that I'm pretty sure didn't have air conditioning um, or the air conditioning didn't work. And he's just complaining about work. I'm asking right. him how his day went. And he's like, oh, I was awful. And I, that stuck with me. I mean, for decades, right. because as soon as I asked him, you know, as 12 year old inquisitive kids do, well, why don't you get another job? It's like, oh, we don't get jo other jobs. We stay at this job until we retire and then we'll have a good life. And I just so strongly was like, this is not going to work for me. I can't do that. And so then, you know, bopping along, I'm teenager and then 20s and you think in your 20s you know everything right you go to university you think you know exactly what you're going to do well mm -hmm. some of us do I did and I get out into the real world and it's not what I wanted like what I thought I wanted wasn't what I wanted and because it wasn't it was the real world it wasn't like school like it wasn't a plot it wasn't just like writing cool papers it was actually like working in an office environment much more collaboratively. And it was something that I just wasn't that interested in. So I did a ton of soul searching. I read all of the books. And as I was reading all of the books, taking the Myers-Briggs test, doing the strength finders, right. you know, everything, I started helping all my friends. All my friends were in that same spot. They were in their mid-20s. And they were like, I thought I knew what I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted. Or they got pigeonholed and were stuck in an admin job or something that wasn't using their strengths. And so I started coaching them, like just, you know, over mm -hmm. happy hour, <laughs> over coffee, like on a walk. And as they started getting jobs and as I started like really seeing that I was helping them, I realized I really wanted to be a coach. And this was my thing. Well, you know, actually, as you're, as you're telling the story, um, I was thinking about this and I'll, I'll link it down below. There's a really great uh, talk by Jim Carrey, the comedian, right? Mm -hmm. I, I'm sure you're familiar, right? Jim Carrey, but he talks about his, his dad and his dad always wanted to be a comedian. And basically his dad was an accountant. I think it was an accountant and he had basically spent his life not doing what he wanted to do and was miserable and then he actually ended up getting laid off in his 50s uh from being an accountant and it's like basically the message of the story is that sometimes when you stick with the things that you don't want to do though that could actually turn out poorly as well right yeah. so why not actually go you know go take it you know an opportunity for the things that you actually really want to do and like thinking about that lesson you know watching 
your, your parents go through that, you know, doing that. And there's, you know, obviously there's reasons like we want to make sure that our kids are okay and things like that, but we do kind of get nervous about this. I, I want to ask you about this. And we talked about this um, before really kind of how we connect this to education. There's, there's this thing in education that happens and I'm sure you're familiar with it. I know you're a parent uh, where basically we, we tend to, kind of like, I don't know if it's kind of around your advice, but I think it's, it's like, maybe it's how it's misinterpreted is that we will see this new initiative. We will do it for a little bit and then we'll move on to a new initiative, do it for a little bit. And it's like, it's, and it's always changing directions. And then people get so fatigued because we can't actually stick and, and do things. Right. And so like, when I'm thinking about this, you, I I can't remember if it's Malcolm Gladwell um, talked about the notion of like 10,000 hours, right? Like you have to put in a ton of time to become an expert at something. But then in school, a lot of times we don't give our, our our staff the opportunity to actually really dig into something and then they're just overwhelmed. So where do you kind of see that, you know, um, where, where, like, when do you kind of decide like, hey, this is something that we need to stick with and get really good at versus like identifying when it's, it is a problem. Maybe it isn't the best direction for us to go. Because I think you know, like I, I try to, there's a lot of things I've been doing over and over and over again for years and they get progressively better. And there's things that I absolutely love doing, but I've also, um, I kind of, sometimes when I feel like, Hey, this isn't working for me anymore. I'm okay to drop stuff. Like I'm okay to move on from it. So how, how do people kind of identify the difference between those two things? So I think for me, I, and I spent a lot of time talking about this starting friction is a huge thing. Um, you know, when you are starting something new, you're literally rebuilding the pathways and creating more connections in the way that you now need to think. And it's so funny that you say that because like right now, my kid's school is changing their math curriculum. Right, right. And they just changed their math curriculum. Like I've got a seven-year-old and they had just changed the math curriculum when my older one was approximately the same grade. So probably about six years ago. And I think that there is this fine line of taking data and recognizing when something isn't working Mm -hmm. and also recognizing that at the beginning, you're not going to be that great at it. I often use the example of podcasting because I think podcasting is such a great example that people can really understand even if they're not podcasters. Um, I am not a podcaster. I just like going right. on people's po- other people's podcasts. But like, if you're a podcaster, you know you have to learn how to audio edit. You have to learn how to market. You have to learn how to ask insightful, interesting questions to keep both the person you're interviewing engaged as well as the audience. There's a lot of different skills involved. Well, if you look up how many podcasts the average podcast has, it's seven. Because wow. most people hit two, three, four and stop because they weren't aware of how much work it was going to be. But that work gets so much easier. Audio editing gets easier the more you do it. So I think that when you are at the beginning of a path, you have to recognize it's going to be a struggle. Like none of it's going to be rote. It's going to be hard. And you really have had to think through that this hardness was, is going to be worth it for these reasons. But then you also have to be looking for, is the hardness getting easier? 
Like is, Mm. and is there something wrong in my approach? Because I mean, with everything, you know, I had like, we've, the approach may or may not work for you. Like a lot of times we are, we like to throw the kitchen sink at it. Like I can do everything. And then you vastly under overestimate how much time you have. And so really focusing on your strengths to me is the best way to evaluate whether or not something is working. Like, is this using my strengths? Is this using my core competencies? Am I seeing a trajectory where this will become easier to implement. This will become what I need it slash want it slash hope for it to be. I think that the problem is sometimes also when you're talking about groups of people, it's like what works for one person doesn't work for another person. And oftentimes the person that is teaching has a strength in what they are teaching. And so doesn't necessarily understand the pitfalls of why that person isn't understanding. And I think that as you get out of like, you know, K5, K5, I think that people do like teachers usually understand like, oh, a kid mm. doesn't understand this. But like when you get into like adult training, like taking back this, this, um, the training that my school is about to go through, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of those people, we don't realize it, but they love it. Like they love that system and that's why they're teaching it. And they're not necessarily going to be great at handling, you know, the people that don't like it or the people that this right. is not how their brain works. And I think that that's unfortunate when we are talking about training anyone or learning anything, because it's really putting the burden on the person that doesn't understand instead of the burden on the teacher. Well, the, the interesting thing when you're talking about like school districts or, you know, schools changing programs, the reality of this is, and I kind of found this dirty little secret. It's, it's basically not about necessarily, Hey, what's, what do we think is the most beneficial for kids? Because sometimes, and this, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying schools. I'm actually more pointing to politicians right now. Uh, I actually remember we were in, um, so where I live in Alberta, Canada, we've had basically the same party government for like a long amount of time. But then they actually had a new leader, right? So the new leader brings in new people. And we actually were had like this really great education. I actually remember sharing uh, something from that. I'm like, wow, this is actually good from the government for education, which is I find rare. And so I was sharing it. But then someone comes in new and then they change it, not because it wasn't working, but because of their ego, because they don't want to just take on someone else's program. And, and it's just kind of like interesting to see that. And it's like, it just, and that happens so many times in education. Like you have one government in and they have a belief system and they want the credit. So like if that, even if the education system is working really well in an area, but there's a new party coming in, they're like, no, we got to change it because we want the credit for it. And that's what I've seen so many times. And it's, it's really frustrating uh, kind of to, to, to see that process. I think when you're talking about the other element of podcasting, right? So I've been podcasting. I've been doing this for a couple of years now. And I, I showed up basically on time to do this. I got my camera set up. I got my little sound you know, board. I got everything. So I just have to like press a couple of buttons and I'm going. But before it was like, you know, you're, you're trying to learning a system. You're trying to go through that process. But I think a lot of times what people do is 
they just say, you know, and we publish books. Hey, I want to write a book. And I'm like, why do you want to write a book? Well, you know, because I want to write a book. And I'm like, but what do you want to talk about? And I think people just want to write that book. And just so they can check something off of their life list. And for me, it's like, I actually want to publish people that really need have something they want to say and get it out. And they're passionate about it. And I, I feel that if you if you focus on that, the audience will come to you. They'll 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 you'll, you'll build that. People go, but if it doesn't work, and I think a lot of times the reason why probably people quit their podcast is not only that some of the stuff's hard, it's that they want the immediate immediate success. They want it that minute, and they 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 struggle with not having it. And the reason they struggle not having it is because they went into it for the wrong reasons. They went in for because they say they want to have a podcast, not because they want like I actually really just love talking to people. And I'm like, might as well record it and then do a podcast, right? And so that's something that, you know, I've really been thinking about. Um, one of the things I want to ask you about, and I kind of triggered, I, I'm really big into social media. I probably watch way too much TikTok, things like this. And, you know, I, I'm like, I'm like way into YouTube culture. Like I actually probably know what most like, you know, 14 year old boys know about or like TikTok and YouTube. I'm just like, I know this stuff and it kind of like throws young people off and I you know it's kind of like it's interesting but it's also stuff I want to know because of you know my work with, with students and one of the things that I've watched that is interesting is that someone will have like a YouTube channel and it will be like massive and it will be like blowing up and and doing really well and then they'll just kind of stop it and then they'll move to a different platform and they will find success in that space and it's like they, they, and I, I actually kind of give them credit because it's like they see kind of an end in sight where they're going to kind of hit this high. And before it starts going down, you know, starts going down a different level, they actually exit into something else and then they lift that thing up. And so it's not because they're, it's not because they're frustrated. It's not because they're not doing well. It's just, they're kind of saying like, Hey, am I becoming repetitive? Do I need to go like in a, a, a different different way kind of going through that process and so it's like i think sometimes weirdly enough success can actually be a disadvantage because you sometimes might lose what made you successful in the first place so i don't know if you have any thoughts on why people do that or, or how that kind of works because you know sometimes we we quit things early because we want to jump into a different direction even while they're you know successful well i think that like, look, no one's listening to your podcast that wants to be stay static. So there are people out there, like my grandfather, who just want to do the same thing over and over again. But they're not listening to innovation podcasts, right? <laughs> and, you know. And um, so, for your listeners, I would say that the thing is that there could be two things going on. You know, right. there is fear of success. Totally. Fear of success is a thing. And I have seen a lot of what you've noticed with mm -hmm. especially YouTube, like something goes viral, they get a ton of followers. Right. And then all of a sudden, like there's nothing like five years later. And they're not on TikTok. They're just they just froze up. So that's one thing that is definitely a fear of success, like wasn't necessarily setting yourself up for realizing that even success is hard. Right. Um, success comes with its own challenges that you'd have to be persistent through. 
However, I think on the other hand, and we're kind of living in the ADHD culture mm -hmm. um, to begin with, but I think that when we talk about life purpose, we often are still stuck in the 1950s. Like you talk about your life purpose and it's going to be like, I am going to be a teacher for the rest of my life, or I am going to do this for the rest of my life. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a job description floating around the internet that I don't remember. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know whether it was real or Photoshopped, but right. basically the job description, the first line was social media, media manager must have 15 to 20 years experience. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's like, neither. that tells you absolutely zero about how good or bad a person is at social right. media. Um, Must have been good at ICQ, right? Uh, like, right? I'm like sitting here like 20 years ago. What was like, I guess, MySpace? Like, right, right. right. Does that kind of MSN Messenger, media? right? MSN right. Messenger. I, AOL? Like, I don't know. So I... The jobs that we're preparing kids for, the jobs that we're preparing ourselves for, unless we're like 70, they're going to keep changing and evolving. Mm -hmm. And so if we are stuck in this 1950s mentality of, I'm going to figure out my life purpose and I'm going to do it for the rest of my life, you're setting yourself up for disappointment because you're going to take that challenge. You'll go get the next job. You'll take that challenge. Mm -hmm. And then you'll grow to a point where it's no longer a challenge. And so I would suggest that if someone is doing it well mm -hmm. and they, you know, got really big on YouTube, but then decided to go to TikTok and now they're doing really well because they took what they, they blended, what they knew right. into this new challenge, this new format, like that can be really, um, growth mindset oriented right, right you know maybe they saw tiktok as like you know what i really like the short snippets like that yeah. i could really master easily but then you know in another three years tiktok is gonna be kind of you know oh Same. so 2021 so or 2020 I like, I like i like tiktok i was i'm still upset about vine going away i don't know if you remember vine i was like perfect amount. six seconds that's all i need <laughs> right so I think that like at a certain level, this is all about mindfulness. It's like knowing what your own motivations are and whether you're being driven by the positive or the negative, because right. it could go either way. And I think a lot of people looking outside, looking in are going to tell you what they think. Like, are you mm -hmm. doing a good thing or a bad thing? But only you know whether you're reacting out of negative inspiration or positive inspiration. Yeah. And I think that purpose really matters. Right. And, um, I actually, when I, and this is, this is me being pretty vulnerable here. I, I, I wrote innovators mindset and it has done phenomenal. It's done very, very well. And I I've written two books since and they haven't done as well. Right. And you kind of feel like, am I like, am I, am I like Chumbawamba? Am I like, like, is this it? Is this my one thing? And I'll put it like, do you know what I mean? But I, do. I actually don't, I don't really, I don't get caught up in that because I don't, write to put out books but i put out books when i feel i'm like like i always say like a book has to come to you it's not something that i just want to force out of me and ha have this cycle right and i think sometimes what i do is i try to follow my passions and see where they lead me and then and then if i keep you know kind of focusing on that what what draws it to me like i was actually talking to a friend just on text right before uh this message and uh, i started this podcast called mindset monday 
And basically, it's just kind of talking about like, you know, your own personal well-being, how you take care of your health. And uh, I, I'll post this every Monday. And it's actually, you know, people are really interested in what I'm talking about. And I think they're interested because I'm really passionate about it. And I can kind of feel a pull to this. And it's not that I don't love education. It's not that I don't love, you know, some of the stuff that I do. But right now, this is what I'm passionate about. And this is what I'm kind of getting into. So it, that I just kind of look at that. And I think it goes back to what I was saying earlier. I just, I, when I have something to say, then, then I feel comfortable putting on a book, but I'm not trying to like recreate the success of innovators mindset. And I, you know, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do. I just, I think that, you know, finding those passions and that purpose is, you know, what, I, what I'm really most excited about. And so speaking about books, uh, I, I do want to ask you about the clarity journal and, and what it is and just kind of tell us like, how, how could it, you know, how is it helpful to, you know, uh, people maybe both in and out of education. So the Clarity Journal basically came about when I was kind of in a dark space. I, um, my first trimester of my pregnancy with my second kid, I had a bad chiropractic adjustment and I couldn't, I, I had to walk with a cane on and off. Like no one could help fix it because the ligaments were loose because of pregnancy. And, um, and then we moved in my third trimester from the East Coast to Seattle. And then the baby was born with a load of ear infection. Like he had tons mm. and tons of ear infections. So it was just like this constant, like there was just right. always something right. going wrong. There was something keeping me from doing, you know, the outside creative stuff that I loved. Mm. And then like, as these things happen, like, you know, this too shall pass. It passed. Like the baby, like my baby is now older. He was like a lot, 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 lot easier to handle because he was no longer in pain. And the funny thing is, is when we hit those points, a lot of times, instead of being really grateful, even though you can have gratitude that you're past it, you've let go of so much that you are missing something that you don't even really recognize that you're missing. And I was there. I had, mm. you know, kept my clients and that's about it. I hadn't done any marketing. I really like kind of fell off the face of the planet. And I was really fortunate that I have enough clients that like right. love me and talk me up that my business kept going, but nothing else. Like I didn't do any of my mm. blogging. I didn't do, I didn't do anything. And so I was, I was complaining about this with a friend. Like, I don't know what to do next. I don't know what direction to go in. Like I've been so underwater for so long. And as I was talking to her, cause she's a fabulous person and a wonderful friend, she stopped me and she said, Becca, you're a coach. What would you tell yourself? Right. Like if you were a client and that hit me like a ton of bricks and I just went and I wrote down every question I could think of to help people get unstuck. And as I was writing them down and as I was doing them, going through them, it just really helped me figure out for myself, like what my next challenge was, what like the next part of this journey needed to entail. And I think that this is important because educators are responsible for helping kids through their own process and also, educators are adults. Educators uh -huh. are human. You know, 
you might need your own change. You Maybe you've been in the right. same classroom for 10 years, or maybe you're in a toxic environment. Like It's important to recognize when you need a change, and you can't really help other people if you're unhappy. Right. So I think that a lot of people in professions that are still more traditionally mindset, like there's a, you go get the education and then you're in that same job forever unless you become a principal or like, or you're a nurse. Nursing is often very similar. It's like you're in that same job forever unless you maybe go get like, like a master's and become like a midwife, like a nurse practitioner. Right, right, right. Um, there are a couple jobs that are like that, but it becomes really easy to just follow the same path. But if you're unhappy, you're going to be snapping at your students. Right. If you're unhappy, you're not going to be bringing your best self. And I think that we often forget both with our family and with our workplace, that if we are not showing up for ourselves in, with our right. best self, we're not doing anyone any good. Uh, when, I, when, I was, when I was listening to you, um, I'm thinking about some of like some of the relationships I've had in the past, right? And uh -huh. some of the stuff that I put up with, I would be like, I would I would never be okay with my one of my friends doing it. And then when you kind of like sometimes when you leave those relationships, you you kind of have this outer body experience, and then you're like, what was I thinking, right? And it's sometimes really hard to to like actually take your best advice that you give to others when you're in the middle of you know maybe this isn't the best terminology but a storm right you you feel you're in that storm and you don't really observe stuff but i i always try to do this i always try to like kind of step outside of myself and try to look at the situation almost as a third party even though i'm in the situation saying like what would i do in this situation like what as you said what would i advice would i give you know to like a friend of mine, someone I really cared about because we often give our best advice to other people and we never take it for ourselves. And when you look at some of the times, like right now in education, there's a huge um, kind of mental, like I, I don't want to say it's a mental health crisis and it's not just with students. I think it's with the adults as well. And it, I, I think sometimes when we tolerate, for example, um, administrators that maybe don't make the best decisions, and everyone, like we complain kind of behind the scenes, but we, we also stay right. and we're kind of just saying that's okay. And then it continues on. Right. But if there was ever like a mass exodus from a school, that would probably tell something's going on. Right. And then yeah. and there's like, hey, what, what's going on here that people don't want to work at this space. And so I think sometimes like I, I uh, again, you know, referencing, a, a, I, I've shared this before, a Will Smith, um, video basically he talked about this idea that when you play when you pin the blame on other people then you also give them the responsibility to fix it whether they want to or not right and it's mm -hmm. not that you can't be upset with other people and it's not that you can't be bothered by their actions but it's like you always have control over like how you react to things how you deal with stuff going forward and i think for me that's one of the things that i've really learned especially about myself over the last few years and, I, and believe me i'm not a master at it right i'm sure like i'm sure you'd probably say the same thing right you you wrote a book but we're not we're never 100 percent on our own advice too but it's like <laughs> taking charge of a situation and sometimes that's that's some tough decisions like you know maybe cutting people out of my life that i i feel make things worse for me right, right. uh being very cognizant of who i give my time to right 
uh, one of the one of the things that I measure is if I'm around someone who makes me unhappy after then I'm around my kids, they're out. That's that's it. I don't spend any time with that because if it actually affects my children because of that, then I, I just don't have the time for that. And I'll surround myself that, you know, I, I can give my kids my best energy. So I, I don't know. I don't know what you think about that, because I think it is like what you're saying is like there is it's kind of finding your own control through that process. It is. Well, and I think that this has a lot of application both to teaching and to adult life mm-hmm. um, and to parenthood, really, because so I homeschool my oldest son um, and he's like he goes to a hybrid school. He's technically a public school student, but the public schools in Washington have these public schools that are set up for homeschoolers and I can just sign him up for whatever he wants. And when I started homeschooling, I was expecting everybody to question whether he was going to be socialized, like how he's going to, how is he going to find friends? Like, how is he like, blah, blah, blah. But the thing that everybody actually asked me was how are you, how is he going to learn how to deal with difficult people? And I'm like, well, they're difficult people everywhere. Like I can be difficult. Like he is inherently, if he is seeing people, he's going to be dealing with difficult people. And what the school system sometimes does is you know, it, it plugs you in with a teacher for a year right. and then that teacher at le- like is changed and none of it is under any of your control. Mm-hmm. And so when you're taking kids and putting them through the system every year, they're going to get a new teacher. It doesn't matter whether they like the teacher. It doesn't matter whether they have a bully in their classroom. It doesn't matter whether they dislike their teacher or like literally can't get along with their teacher. Um, they they're still stuck for a year. And I think that when we pull that forward, when that, when people kept asking me that, I was like, this is exactly what's wrong with all of my clients is they got so used to someone else changing their circumstances for them as kids and in college that they don't really fully embrace the fact that they are actually their own agents and that they need to actually do it for themselves. And that Hmm. it is enough to leave a job if you have a horrible boss and you're right. Like, you know, if 20 teachers quit because the administration is not doing well, well, there's a huge like undersupply of teachers right now. So it's pretty, I would assume it's pretty easy. I don't know about Canada in the U S it'd be pretty easy to get another job. And it is funny. I actually recently saw this, not with teaching, but with a friend of mine who got another job and half of the department quit within a month. And, you know, that did make a difference. I don't know whether they fired the boss because I'm not sure that they could because they kept, they actually said, told all of those people, we will fire her if you come back. And none of them said yes. So I don't know whether they fired her or not, but it's, if you're staying in a dysfunctional situation, right. all you're doing is making yourself miserable. Yeah. And, and I think when you're talking about sometimes we get in these situations where, you know, personalities are conflicted. And it, I think I think we often paint this as like one person is like evil and one person is good. And I think just sometimes personalities like conflict and maybe it's different frames, you know, time frames, whatever. I actually so I remember this. And again, I'm outing myself here. Uh, I, I was uh, this is actually probably a student and I still 
keep in contact with her, um, her family. Uh, and, uh, she has kids now. We were both really into basketball and she was in my grade nine math class. And just that time period, she was just a pain for me, just always an issue. Right. And that's how I perceived it. Right. And, uh, I remember she was brilliant math student and she, uh, she came to me or her parents came to me and she, I, I had actually taken marks off of her. And this is like an old school teaching practice and I, no one should do this anymore. And I actually like took marks away from her for attitude, right? Like her attitude was bad in my class. Right. And so the, the, the mom came to me and the mom and I are actually very good friends now. Right. And she wasn't mad at me at all, but she had a good question. She said to me, she said, Hey, I noticed that my daughter, her attitude marks in your class are really low, but they're not in anyone else's class. So what, what do you think that's about? And it was like, basically maybe it's you. Right. And it was, and it was like, and it's funny because I think we actually love the same things that it was weird. We kind of had a conflict of personalities. And like, after that, it was like different. Cause I was like being more aware of myself mm-hmm. because it's like easy like oh that kid blah 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 i'm like oh that kid's not having any issues in any other class except for mine maybe it's not <laughs> I'm doing. right and it wasn't like I, you know all the kids hated me or anything it was just a conflict with that one kid and so i, I kind of think about that too and you know I'm, I'm and and i think part of it too is that she advocated for herself quite a bit and mm-hmm. i was i don't think i was really used to that from a kid that age uh at that time and maybe i was like why is this kid always talking back to me and you know i probably mm-hmm. I probably would tell my daughter to act the same way that she did as a student. If she felt, you know, that there's things wrong in the classroom or that she didn't like something in teaching. And I was like, but at that time, you know, I'm not a parent I have a different view on teaching and stuff like that. This is the more I talk, I feel this is making me just look horrible right now. No, so- I think it's awesome because it's important yeah. to also recognize like your own role in it. Like, and yeah, I, I, I end up talking to people a lot about this because when I am working with someone at the beginning um, or a lot of times even at dinner parties, like they'll be telling me a story and be like, do you know X, Y, Z is a strength of yours? And every time I do that, they always look at me kind of like, I don't know. It comes easy to me. Like, I don't know whether I believe you. And one of the ways I can really pinpoint and help them understand it is like, well, it came easy to you. Like, it comes naturally to you. And so are you getting annoyed when other people don't do it this, right, right, right. your same way? Like, I think that a lot of times, like, not even just conflicts of personality, but conflicts of learning style, conflicts yep. of, like, how your brain processes information. And, you know, I imagine the way you're talking about her that you were also a much younger teacher and so oh, yeah. probably oh, yeah. had a little bit to prove yeah. too because it's harder to teach when you're closer in age to the kids in some ways yeah well, well actually like one of the things about i think has developed in myself over the years is you know i look at and this is now turning into a therapy session this is uh when i uh what like i look at it was easy when you broke up with somebody to say like oh that person blah, blah, right. blah. But the thing is, every time I broke up with somebody, the only constant in the situation was me, right? So I could always blame the other person, but I was always, you know, I was always the constant. The, the other person was the variable, right? And that changed. Right. So I actually am very cognizant 
to never say like, oh, that didn't work because that person did this and that person did this because it doesn't matter. It doesn't right. matter. Like now it matters maybe, I guess, in the sense that, hey, I'm more cognizant of like things that I didn't like in the future. But I always like ask like, what, what role did I play where that, that didn't work out? And I think it's the same as true, you know, in our workplace, uh, you know, it's easy to point at, at a bad boss. It's easy. And I, I think I've had, you know, I've had that as opposed to like, Hey, what did I do? Didn't do in that situation where I could have been better. And how does that actually help me? Cause, cause my focus is not getting stuck in the past on like this person did this. It's like, Hey, how do I actually move forward to get better? And so I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this last question. Um, cause I, I, I know, you know, as a parent, um, like how, how do you work with your own child or like, what would you suggest, you know, for kids, you know, kind of dealing with this stuff that you're talking about? Yeah, it's hard. Um, it's hard on multiple levels because on mm. a very real level, kids always think they know everything. So when you're trying to like impart like kind of more, this more loosey goosey stuff, um, it's hard because they already think they know it. Like I thought right. I knew it. They think they know it. And, and some of it is just being able to recognize that they need to figure it out on their own. Yeah. But I think also part of it is really like with my own kids, if they are having a problem, I really put it, put the agency back on them. Like right. I can help you with this problem, but you're going to have to figure out the solution that works for you. Um, I just had actually a recent, uh, a recent example of that. I, my seven-year-old was not getting along with one of my relatives, one of my older relatives, mm -hmm. the older relative kept trying to get his attention by teasing him. Right. And that doesn't really fly with kids these days. Right. <laughs> so he was like, uh, no. So we were in the car, um, by ourselves and I was like, how are you doing? And he, and he brought it up to me. He's like, I'm having a hard time with. Right person X because they keep teasing me and I don't, and he was really frustrated by it. Like I, you could tell he just didn't understand. Like, why is this person who's like in their seventies, like doing this? Right. <laughs> don't they know better? Right. And, um, and so I walked him through it like, okay, well, here's something like you can say, because part of it is like boundaries. I think what mm -hmm. was coming to me when you were last talking is like so many of us weren't taught boundaries. And as kids, right. We weren't allowed to have boundaries. And then if we're in a profession where boundaries are hard because there's a lot of rules that are like put on us right. from outside. But this is about boundaries, really. A lot of times when you're in a difficult relationship with someone, it's because you are not being as boundaried as you should. So right. I walked through like here is a suggestion for you. Why don't you try it? But I need to warn you she may not hear it like, and that's right. okay. If she doesn't hear it, you don't have to freak out. You just come back to me and we'll come up with a different way. And I think that that is what's important is like putting it on the kids that they can figure out the solution. Like if they're having a hard time with something, if they're having a hard time with a subject, what is a solution? Like, well, maybe a solution is let's look at a different math textbook. Let's see if there's like mm -hmm. something that like helps spur you or here's how you access tutoring. I think that in a, a lot of times in schools, tutoring doesn't get mentioned until a kid is super far behind. Yeah. And I think that's really unfortunate because then the kid can't just take agency. Oh, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm going to go to tutoring. It's like, no, I'm failing. I need to get tutoring. And we bring that along a lot of times into adulthood too. 
Yeah, and that lines up so amazingly well. And I, I appreciate you sharing that too, the work that I've been doing, because my focus is how do we actually really empower kids so that when they walk out of our schools, that they actually can figure out their own pathway so they can learn on their own. And I think that we are a little bit in this generation, and I, I don't want to be this like old crotchety guy right now, where we try to do everything for our kids. And we try to like, you know, go and be that voice. And, and, and as opposed to like, I'm really trying to teach my daughters, like, how do you actually be that voice for yourself? Right? How do you actually draw that line? And I think we have to kind of model that as adults, because I don't know what, what when you grew up, but basically when I was a kid is like, Hey, I, I, I'll go like, I, I'm leaving. And it's like, call me. And it's like, well, if there's a phone, right. <laughs> right. Like yep. If there's a phone and then you could just say, Oh, it's busy. Right. Like you can make up these lies. And it was basically like, my mom would say like, Hey, just be home before dark and like, don't go to jail. Like that was basically, <laughs> that was it. And it, and then it's like, now we're like, having tracking devices on kids. Right. And it's right. a tool. And, and it actually, and from what I'm, what I'm aware, and I don't know if this is still true today. Um, it is partly because, uh, actually crime was worse when I was a kid for right. most of my, but we're just way more aware of right. stuff and it freaks people out. And so now we're like doing this to kids. And then, and then we wonder why they, they don't actually, can't figure some of the stuff out on their own. And they're kind of very dependent on other people fixing problems for them. And so I think right. it's something that we, we really do have to develop. And I think, you know, finding that in yourself is really important, but Becky, it was, it was wonderful having you on the podcast. I really loved your stories and, um, I'm, and I encourage people to check out the clarity journal. As I said, it's in uh, the description down below. Uh, I know your advice is helpful to me. I'm sorry for getting like, you know, I feel like I like owe you like for a therapy session or something like that now kind of digging into my past. So <laughs> best podcasts go that way. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, thanks everyone for listening. Becca, thanks so much for being on. I hope you all have a wonderful day.